Davey Love in the House with Laura Merrill. Yeah. Modern Problem Show. We're broadcasting from Royal Fox Studio, 415 Howe Ave, Shelton, Connecticut. This fish tank is fucking bugging me out here. There's huh. no fish in there. <laughs> it needs a friend. It, it, I guess it's like the, the rock's friend right here. The salt lamp, yeah. The salt lamp and the, and, and the little fox. Yes. Um, Royal Fox. Yes. Get it right. <laughs> so if you want to do a podcast, come down here, Sweet 175, and go see my boy, Sweet Lou. Sweet Lou. He's got the sweet potato incense burning in here. <laughs> it smells amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, tonight, we got a big show. We got Ted Bone from Pacifier. Yay. Um, we'll see if it's Ted Bone or Bound. Boom. You spelled brown on your Facebook post. Oops. <laughs> Did I? It probably corrected it. Don't blame me. I blame technology. Auto-correct. Yes. <laughs> I saw that. Don't I blame me. Now I have to go. Watch. Now I'm going to fix it. <laughs> what up, blonde? Leave me alone. <laughs> so, yeah, we got a big show tonight. Uh, sorry about last week. Uh, next week we'll have, uh, maybe we'll have Nikki Delano. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. But uh, we'll be celebrating my 50th born day. Woo! Uh, and he can still dunk people. Yes, I'm paying the consequences for my uh, slam dunks. Yes. Tonight's show is sponsored by all our sponsors that are on modprobshow.com and Indica. Indica. It's your friend, people. It's when you're my feeling friend. stressed and you want to kill somebody and you don't want to get totally out of your mind, you just need to calm down and focus. Indica is your friend. It is your friend. If you want to be paranoid and go crazy well good god enjoy yourself some sativa <laughs> bless yourself <laughs> um yeah so tonight we got a big show we're gonna call up ted bone in a little bit nice. modern problems show modern problem show yo ted what's going on welcome to the modern problem show how you doing man I'm well. How are you, Davey? Good, man. Good. Let me introduce you to my co-host. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. All right. Without any further ado, give it up for Laura Merrill. Yay. Hi, Ted. How are you? Hey, Laura. Hey, uh, a quick question. Um, how do you pronounce okay. your last name? It's like down with a B. Bound. Bound. I was right. So, Davey... <laughs> Did Davey not know how to pronounce my last name? Well, he was like... Yeah, he was like, I'm not quite sure. And I said, I think it's Bound. And he was like, it could be, you know. Well, she's actually, she messed Bound. me up because she, when she shared the post, <laughs> she put Brown. Well, you it, just autocorrect. It corrected it. <laughs> yeah. You probably yeah. get that a lot. It gets corrected to Brown. People autocorrect it in their minds. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, yes. It's They're like, there's, there's supposed to be an R there. <laughs> <laughs> Why is there no R? Where's the R? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cool. Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> so we're of thanks are, for getting it right. Are we talking to you from your uh, studio in uh, Passive Farm there in Maryland? No, um, I'm actually in my car. I just went to have some crab cakes at my mom's house, mm -hmm. and I'm heading back to the studio. Nice. But it's perfect timing because if you were talking to me at the studio, then you probably couldn't hear me because I'm 
horrible service. I remember that. I remember that from the last time. It was the spotty service. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so your new album, Strata, man, you guys have uh, taken a different turn. It seems like it's, well, it's not really a different turn. You guys are swaying into more poppy, like alternative rock reggae, I kind of think. You're you're doing it a little different, I think. Yeah, it's just evolving as, as we evolve as people. And I, I feel like there are actually, a lot of people have said, like, there are some tributes to the original like old school pacifier style on on the album yes i caught some of that and then there are some like like absolute departures from any style that we've done before um you know particularly i think like like begging for it is like just a straight up rock and roll song you know there's no reggae in that song at all and uh it's one of my favorite songs in the album yeah i love Um, that one now did you and will write that one well, so we wrote the instrumental together uh, when we recorded a couple songs in New Orleans. Friends and Begging For It were recorded, uh, instrumentally were recorded in New Orleans. Mm. And then I actually wrote some lyrics for Begging For It. Um, I forget what my version of the song was called, but um, it was one where, like, you know, Will was like, I actually have a really, like, an idea in mind already for this one. Do you mind if I try it? Right. And I was like, yeah, of course. Like, I just, I'm kind of just, like, trying to come up with lyrics for, for as many of these songs as I can. But, like, you know, as as always, I would really like it if you take a few off my, my plate and, and make them Will songs. So he um, he had an idea already for that. And then... He sent it to us, and I was just like, man, I, I wouldn't change a thing. I think it's great. So, you know, we ended up going with, with him, that being a Will song. Right. Which I think, like, the more, like, rock and alternative country-style songs that we do, like, that lends itself to Will mm. Will's style and Will's voice a lot better. I, Will's not necessarily – he's probably, like, the least reggae. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would definitely agree with you there. But definitely not his bass. Yes. No, he doesn't listen to reggae like like the rest of us do. I mean, I probably listen to the most reggae out of all of us, but like Will probably the less, the least amount of reggae. He's into a lot more singer songwriter stuff and Radiohead type stuff and, you know, stuff that's not really necessarily pacifier style, but you can see that ever since he joined the band, that, that stuff has sort of crept into our style. Right. Just naturally. Right. Will you like to speak on your stuff now that we've gotten through a little of this? I want now that you've opened up a can right here. You with <laughs> your with your reggae stuff, you've actually branched out and produced a lot of major reggae guys and uh reggae bands and HR from Bad Brains too. Yeah, I mean HR would probably be the majorest thing that I have going right now. Um I've I've done work with a lot of I guess what I would consider like the lower level reggae bands, the bands that are, you know, the first the first tier on the festival lineup. Right. Um I've done, you know, work with a lot of those bands. It's I guess lower hanging fruit and they just you know, they usually wanna work with, with somebody that's a, a little bit more established in the scene and so that's how that works out for me, but like 
to be honest, I really, I, I still have yet to like produce the record that I would think would be like the definitive record for my career, but um, I'm for my production career, but working with HR is probably that right now for me. Like working with HR is working with somebody that I've listened to legitimately since I was like eight, seven or eight years old. Right. He's a legend. So, yeah. My brothers are all like eight to 12 years older than me. So when Bad Brains were in their heyday, my brothers were all teenagers. Mm. So anything your teenager older brothers do when you're eight or nine years old is the coolest thing ever. Yeah. So Bad, Brains, <laughs> Bad Brains and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Fishbone were the coolest things ever to me as an eight or nine-year-old. Right. So like to fast forward to being 38 years old and I'm working with the lead singer of Bad Brains, it's, it's a mind-blowing thing for sure. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So are you guys touring right now? We are not right now. We just got done with the first leg of the fall tour. Okay. And we have like two weeks off and then we go back out November 3rd to the 13th. And you're heading out to the Midwest, right? I think I saw We that. are doing Midwest and then heading back down to the Southeast. We're doing uh, Midwest, then like Atlanta and Florida. Right. Uh, one show in Florida. Right. Do you uh, do you prefer like being in the studio or do you prefer being on stage? Uh, I think there's they're equally important to right. me. Uh, being on stage definitely requires a lot more effort. <laughs> uh, going into the studio is just like walking downstairs from upstairs in my house. <laughs> so, uh, of course, I like the comfort of being at home yeah. in my studio, but um, there's nothing like playing a show and people reacting to it and, you know, just like the the cool things that happen in a live show that, that don't happen in the studio. Um, there, there's a lot to be said about a live performance, whereas, you know, the studio is a magical place, but uh, sometimes certain things don't come out in the studio. Uh, they don't come out in a certain song until you've played it a couple times live, and then you're like, oh, man, what if I throw this in there? And then, right. you know, you start to sort of evolve the song even further after it's it's been recorded in the studio. So I find that with a lot of our songs, a lot of songs that we we think are finished in the studio. And then we get out there on the road and we're like, oh, man, there's so much more we can do with this song. So you expand and like jam on certain songs and kind of. Yeah, jamming on certain things are just like, you know, singing, singing the last chorus of the song differently. Right, right. Um, we, we've done a lot of songs where it's, it, it's maybe not copy and paste, but like I sing the chorus the same every time or like the guitar solo is kind of just boring and I like to spice it up right. or, you know, Will Will does something different pretty much every show. He's always adding effects with the bass and like backup vocal stuff. And um, it's cool when like little drum and bass things happen by accident, you know, like they'll, they'll lock up on something that maybe wasn't locked up fully in the, in the recording of the song, but then we play it live and it just clicks for them. And all of a sudden it's just even tighter than it was on the record. Right. You, you guys, I, I have to say this, man. I, I give you guys all the props because you know I've been a fan for, for since day one, since I met you from the Warp Tour way back when when I interviewed you a long time ago yeah. on this Modern Problems radio show. 
now to see how how you guys have grown and you're still together because you're so multi-talented because you're producing and now you have your own studio and congratulations on on getting married too uh that's amazing and uh and then will is such a talented musician and producer and and like artist and how he's grown and you guys still stay together you know you guys are from a different tree but still from the same root which is pretty amazing and it's beautiful to see well thanks man yeah it's uh it's it became something that was uh necessary for us to do uh when we all we all lived in savannah at one point actually mike never lived in savannah mike would travel from chicago to play shows and write music and rehearse but he's always really lived in chicago and uh then then will decided to move to la and um around the same time nick's wife got a job in cincinnati so they moved there and then i moved to florida and we just found ourselves geographically dispersed for a little while. Right. And well, until now, until <laughs> present. And, uh, we, we just make it work. We, we, everybody buys a plane ticket and comes out here to my house or <clears throat> we meet up, we go on the road and then we like hole up somewhere with our, we have, we have the ability to record really anywhere we go with our, with our in-ears monitor system. Mm. It also has like, the ability to hook up to Pro Tools and record multi-track. So uh, we actually use that to record most of the songs on our album. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. That's crazy. No, the uh, the new HR single, Fight the Power, you produced that one too? Yeah. Holy shit. Now, when is the album coming out? Um, well, I'll, I'll make it clear that that has nothing to do with the album. Okay. Um, that one was, that will not be on the album. Uh, there was a company out of New York that wanted that, uh, wanted HR to make, uh, a reggae version of that song. Mm. And I don't, at first it was, I don't know, like sometimes the things that roll in for HR, I don't get all the information about it. They just say, he needs to sing this over this. And I'm like, okay, well, it's kind of distracting from the work that we're doing for his album. But if it's going to be like some, some real quick cash for both of us, then sure. Right. Right. And so that was, that's kind of what that was is they off, they said they would pay him a certain amount of money if he did this, uh, this cover of fight the power by the Isaac brothers. And, um, I liked the song and I thought it was great. But if you listen to it closely, I'm the one that says bullshit. Oh shit! I'll have to listen yeah. to that again because I was listening to it a lot today, and I I could tell your production. I could tell I could tell it because you you have like one thing I will say from production. You have that old school roots Jamaican uh, sound to your production, yeah. you know, and that's you don't find that around here, you know. And 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 when I mean yeah. around here, I mean America, you know, like from anyone, you know, you you can always tell like okay. uh so which guy produced this? You know, like where did you get it produced? But your stuff, you're like, yeah. oh shit, you know, where where in Jamaica did you get that produced? <laughs> well, you know what's funny is it actually was mixed in Kingston, Jamaica. Oh, wow. um, oh I, shit! <laughs> I didn't I didn't mix it. Uh, I I did produce it. I made all the the sounds for the record. Like, you know, ever all the sounds that you're hearing in the recorded music is recorded by me, but. 
whoever bought the track, they said that it wasn't rootsy enough. Mm. So they literally sent it to Kingston, Jamaica, to a producer down there and had him mix it, which, I mean, I, I've I've listened to it a couple times, and if you don't have a stereo system that has a sub, then you don't get the bass mm. at all. Mm. And, like, that's something that I've learned to to take care of as a producer and you know there's there's certain plugins that allow you to sort of like add harmonics into bass and allow you to have there to be bass like even on a bluetooth speaker and stuff like that um whoever mixed this track and i have no idea who it was so like it's completely it's 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 a mystery to me yeah. went to after i finished I'm going to listen to he, that again because now I'm like, oh, shit, you know, I didn't hear a lot of bass. And now that you pointed that out, I got to listen to this song again and listen for all these things. Yeah. So I just got to say that the HR record that I am working on with HR right now is not going to sound anything like that. Right. That was mixed by somebody else. Uh, the drums were programmed drums. Um, on HR's record, I play the drums. I play the bass. I play the keys. I play backup vocals. I play guitar. I play everything. And HR sings. Oh so, shit! Um, it's it's a much bigger production. It's a much more time has gone into that than the um, fight the power. Fight the power was fun. It was definitely fun, but he wouldn't say bullshit because he doesn't um, he doesn't cuss. He doesn't do he, he doesn't say words that connotate negativity. Oh, now he's. I gotta ask you now. Was it hard to work with him? It must have been like challenging for you to work with him knowing what he's dealt with in his past and also being a huge fan. So you have two factors and it's like the yeah. biggest person that you've produced and you're playing all the out, like all the instruments. Holy shit, Ted, how did you, how did you keep it contained? Was it Indica? <laughs> it had to be Indica, right? <laughs> uh, well, HR doesn't smoke. Um, HR is, uh, you know, it, it, it's not, what he's dealt with in his past it's what he's currently dealing with and has dealt with for many years it's, it's called schizophrenia and it's a real thing right and like you know i i've never worked personally i've never worked with somebody that is diagnosed schizophrenic uh but to be honest he he has always been a very sweet person with me mm. uh there are certain days where he doesn't necessarily feel like working as much right. as other days and uh you know i kind of get that vibe right away and then we just talk or we just hang out and then you know session's over and he goes home but like the days when i can tell that he's really into it i push a little bit further and we actually get stuff done but like i'm learning myself just sort of through experience how to work in a studio setting with somebody with a mental disability like that. Mm. And it's, um, it's eye opening. And sometimes, you know, sometimes it's like, all right, <laughs> we're that we'll do that. Like we just change it up right. on, on the drop of a hat because, you know, he all, all of a sudden just wants to work on something else. And, um, with a, you know, if it was like a normal artist or like a, a younger artist that I'm trying to produce, I'd be like, no, focus like let's do this and then do that but he's a legend and he has his own artistry and his own way of doing things and when he says he wants to switch up and work on something else we just do that Mm. so yeah it's been a year and a half that 
we've been working on this record and um more recently i haven't been able to put as much time into it because we've been back on on the road and putting out our new album so um but it's kind of also going to be on hold uh, i can't necessarily say which record label that we are signing a deal with and that deal hasn't been fully signed yet but we are getting this record onto a, a record label and then they will be releasing it next year so um we've still got time to finish this record up and we want to get more features on it and people involved nice nice, nice. now i was that was going to be my next question now who who are so can you tell us some of the guests that are featured on some of the songs that might be on the album yes uh let's see i can tell you that i'm featured on a couple tracks all right yeah uh, there we go <laughs> Vocally, I'm featured on every track musically in every department, but as far as the, uh, no, I didn't play horns. I have some great horn players from Never Ending Fall. Mm. Uh, the, the two guys, Grayson and Mike, who play horns for Never Ending Fall, they play sax and flute on the record. And um, I've got Trevor Young and Bird of Soja, Soja yeah. so far playing drums and guitar on one track. Oh, nice. shit. Um, but once we get this, this record label thing signed and, and finished up, um, the label is going to go to work trying to get some, some more, some significant names that will bring a lot more heat to the, the release. Awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, so you got, so you think they're going to probably go for some more, uh, rootsy Jamaican legends, right? No. Oh, you no. think they might my, go? I mean, my vision, my vision is really to go for every every reggae rock artist that's like at the top of that that genre um, because reggae rock would not exist the way it does if it weren't for HR. And, you know, the word moshing was created by HR. Right. The whole concept of moshing was created by HR. Both rock and reggae owe a lot to HR and Bad Brains for sort of bringing reggae into the rock and roll world and, and it becoming embraced by rock and rollers and punk rockers. Uh, they were the first ones to put reggae tracks on an, on a punk record. Yep. And then so, The Clash followed after that, right? The Clash, and then you had, you know, police. Sublime and 311, The mm -hmm. Police before Sublime and 311. Uh, but you know, I, any of the any of the bands that are at the top of the reggae rock world right now, Three Eleven, Slightly Stupid, Dirty Heads, uh, Soja, Revolution, any of those artists, um, sort of showing that they're you know paying tribute and that they're understanding that this person whose record that they're featuring on is like. The person who one of the one of the few people who made it possible for the rest of us to like live in this world that we live in now of the reggae rock world like Cali Roots reggae rise up none of that would be a thing if it weren't for some punk rockers like you know infusing reggae with rock back in the early eighties so right that's that that is that is that is cool I I can't I can't wait I'm like thinking of like who who you could get like like who would. <laughs> Like, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not gonna list them off my yeah. my wishes because I don't want like none of that to come true or like me <laughs> say it and then they're like, oh, I heard you wanted me on the record. Well, no, I'm not doing it. Like, right, yeah. right. I'm gonna let the label reach out to these people and and make 
they're gonna they're gonna have their own artists that they want to get on there, but they know which ones I want, and there you know there are relationships already with these artists, so right. it's really just at the point of getting contracts signed so they can go ahead and rightfully do their due diligence as far as getting features on the record. But um, you know, I I could put it out, I could be happy with putting it out with no features, right? But it's it's gonna help. Really, a, a main another main point of this is just like, you know, because of his mental illness, and this isn't something that that is private information. There's a documentary that my friend James filmed called "Finding Joseph I," which is like a documentary about HR's life. Right. And because he went undiagnosed for so long, like they they just thought they just considered he, him as an asshole. Like they thought he was just like a, a lead singer with lead singer syndrome. Mm. Right. And they didn't they didn't like think maybe he has an issue, maybe we should take him into a doctor. But also, you know, Rastas, when they became Rastas, they were like, you know, screw Babylon doctors. I don't see, you know, modern medicine can suck it. So right. like they didn't want to see a doctor. He didn't want to see a doctor. But finally his wife Lori convinced him to go see a doctor and you know he had been undiagnosed for a long time, which led him to make some pretty poor decisions when it came to signing contracts back in the day. Mm. Right. And, you know, he would leave the room as the only person who didn't sign the contracts. Everybody else in the band is now, you know, making money off of the bad brain shirts that are sold at Target. Uh, but oh, wow. HR is not because he said, you know, I don't sign Babylon contract. Right. And... You know, at the time, it probably seemed cool to do that. But now that, you know, he's older and he needs certain things and right. needs medications and needs all kinds of things, it's like, man, maybe I shouldn't have gone so so hardcore roster. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but honestly, I, I'll tell you what, he doesn't he doesn't operate in that world. Like, he, if he has money, he spends it, he gives it away, and he spends it and like, the few times I've played shows with his band, uh, I'm playing keys for, for his band. Oh, shit. And, uh, you know, everybody gets paid well to play nice. those shows. I don't know that he takes, I don't think he takes more of a cut than anybody else. And that's just, you'll find that in the documentary. They say that, like, anytime he has money, he's doing what he can to give it away. Wow. He's doing whatever he can to, like, spend it or give it away and, like, just doesn't he he lives that like he lives that you know screw babylon lifestyle but when you're older and you have necessities for health and stuff and that stuff costs money then all of a sudden like would have been real nice to have that contract from band in bc or um you know any of the rock for light or any of the big bad brains records that came out in the late 80s early 90s right um, yeah you know, he doesn't, he doesn't see any income from that. So one of my main goals here after seeing my friend's documentary about him, like this guy just needs help. Like this guy just needs the, the community that he helped build to help him out yes. now. Yeah. So we, I just would like for the community, the reggae rock community to rally around it and show some support and some love. And, you know, it, it's, it's the least we can do for somebody who really was one of one of the bigger pioneers of the whole entire genre. 
yeah. Now tell me this. Now so that your friend is doing the do- did the documentary, are you documenting all of this studio time and all of this stuff? The behind the scenes nah, studio. Not really. I mean, every now and then he asked me to like take a picture or take a video. Mm. And I do I do it when he says he wants it, but like I don't want to make it weird right. by gotcha. like you know saying like, "Oh, do you mind if I film this whole session?" like it comes off weird. Like the, the session becomes weird. If, if there's Got you. a camera filming the whole time, it's like, you know, he might not say as much or he might not be as, um, as eager to like really go into it with the vocals. Um, like, no, nah, I, I haven't, I, I probably should have documented it maybe a little bit more, but at the same time I'm respecting him as an artist. And like, if he's in there to create, he doesn't want, camera in his face the whole time so yeah i hear you um, i was thinking that he, would be a he, good way to make some money back for him you know like the little documentary sure. and then when you get like those people to sit in and one person i was thinking would be gwen stefani would be a perfect gold mine like <laughs> oh, yeah. like head of the thing that would get you a lot like i'm not a huge fan of her music by the way but i'm just saying like <laughs> for that kind of thing she her she's kind of the goddess of that you know Baby, she's on my list. Oh, yeah, yeah. see, all right, all I right. Mean, you guessed it. So I, <laughs> she's on my list. I, she's definitely one of the ones that I think is less likely, just because of her level of fame. But I doubt it. Time, if you she, come the way you were saying to me, like uh, you know, pay back as a respect, you know, oh, to yeah. HR, yeah. she would definitely yeah, do but it. The thing is, people that are that involved in the industry, people are, that are that high up in the industry. Like there's no just doing something for free. Right. There's no there's so much red tape. They're they're you know, they're gonna have to get some kind of like writing credit or something in order to show that they were like part of it. Right. There's all kinds of legality. Even if it is done for free, it's still gotta be like filed correctly. They've gotta get their writing credit. It's oh, like yeah. there there's a lot that goes into it that I need a label to do for me because I'm not I'm not prepared at all to do that shit. Oh, yeah. I'm just thinking, like, publicity-wise, that this would be, like, the best thing for her career, you know? <laughs> like, doing that. Like, it would be, like, bring back respect to her music <laughs> stuff, I would say, you know? <laughs> I wouldn't say it would be the best thing for her career. I think she's done a lot of bigger, better things in her career so far, but no, it, I'm would saying be, it would be great for Bring for it him. back. It, bring it, it would bring it back. To what it was that's sure, what i'm saying i'm sure. not saying like people don't think of her as that anymore if you right. th- if you think of gwen stefani if you say that anyone 18 19 20 years old gwen stefani they'll be like oh blake shelton that's yeah. what they'll say bananas you know? yeah 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 b-a-n-a-s yeah that's what they're gonna say yeah. you know they, they won't know that, any of the yeah you just spelled bonus. yeah bonus. <laughs> i did i spelled it wrong yeah <laughs> It's the indica. It's the indica <laughs> that we smoke. Indie before. couch. Yeah, we we're indica smokers here on the show. So. Yes, I am not, man. I can't smoke indica. I end up in the couch. Really? I used to yeah. be more hybrid, you know. And then after 2020, I was like, "Holy yeah. shit, man! I can't <laughs> deal with sativa. I will kill people. So I need indica." And now indica makes me focused and like I'm not stressed. And if I smoke sativa, I'm like, "Oh shit! Did you hear that? You know?" Or I'll be I'll be all yeah. over the place. So I just for me, it's like I'll have a morning like today where I woke up and I was like, "Man, I gotta like package some stuff up and go to UPS and I gotta go to the store and I gotta like." 
all this stuff that I knew I had to do. And I woke up, I was like, I just don't want to do any of it. I just want to sit here on the couch. And then I have a, I have a pretty strong sativa at the house right now. And I got up and smoked a bowl. And then like 10 minutes later, I had my shoes on. I was out in the trailer getting some stuff I needed. I was just like doing all the stuff that I was dreading doing 20 minutes earlier. And it just, you know, for me, sativa is like a, a kick in the ass every day. Like, here you go. Here's, you said you want to do all this. Well, here's the the juice to, to get going. Right. But in a similar way, at the end of the day, yeah, I, I will smoke an indica before bed because sometimes I'll just end up sitting looking at Instagram on my phone till 2.30 in the morning. And like, <laughs> what am I doing? Everyone does that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, smoke a good indica bowl at like, you know, midnight and then I'm I'm out before 1230. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that is funny. That is funny. Now, um, your passive farm now, your studio, are you setting yeah. that up? Are you going to put like a, a stage in there? I, I kind of sense vibes going like certain things going on there. I haven't, you haven't said anything, but I feel it. There, there, there are a lot of plans that will involve, you know, more capital um, that I just don't have right now. But, like, um, as of now, it's, like, in the house. The studio is – the house is sort of strange architecture. It's kind of divided into two houses. Mm. Um, we've got the side that we live on with the kitchen and the living room and our bedroom, and then the other side of the house has, like, two other bedrooms and – an office and a sunroom and like all of that is like the studio side of the house and um it, it's it's temporary like having the studio inside the house is temporary eventually i want to purchase a few shipping containers and build a studio out of ship containers oh, on so cool. the property oh shit and at that point <laughs> I, I have thought about having a stage and then, you know, sort of attaching it to the shipping container building so that you can run wires, you can run everything inside into the studio and you could have live performances outside that you actually do capture in more of a studio controlled setting behind the scenes. Um, it's just, it's, it's all just a big pipe dream right now, but eventually, um, hopefully I can, make it all reality i have i've drawn up like architectural plans already for it because i i could see like a passive farm sessions you know instead of sugar shack sessions you know the passive farm sessions yeah that's well, what i see giant panda just did one the other day i had giant i panda saw that house. i love those dudes <laughs> yeah it's it's definitely a thing like also like daryl's house yeah yeah we're that's more along the lines of what i would like to do at Pass farm is having people out and do like a full band performance but it all goes, you know, through the the mixing board, and everything gets mixed quality, and uh, that that would be really cool. But um, for now, it's just sort of like it's just a studio, right? And some people don't even come to record. Some people, like Ballyhoo and Bump and Uglies, now have both been out to the house for like five or six days at a time just to write music. Right. Oh shit. Yeah, that's badass. So you, it's then you've got like a definitely a chill spot, like to go and relax and get away from it all. Then it seems. Yeah, it, the the whole point. Mean, we've done a lot of recording out at Sonic Ranch in uh, Tornillo, Texas, mm. and 
the the appeal to that place for me is that you just go so far away from all the distractions. If you go record at a at a studio in a in a city in a big city, you're gonna want to go out and see the shows that are you know every night, and then you're not gonna want to get up in the morning because drank too much the night before and like. There's friends, there's distractions, there's all kinds of things that will distract you from focusing. So going out to Sonic Ranch, it was like the only thing that you could do was make music. There wasn't anything else to do. Right. right. So, like, that's what I wanted with this place is, like, come out and focus. If you do want to do something else, you can go walk around the farm. You can go down to the beach if you want. We're 35, 40 minutes from the beach. Um so, you know, I, it's much more like a destination recording experience than like a, a city, like a, you know, big fancy studio. I don't have a lot of us other than the, the computer equipment and the microphones. I don't have a lot of like studio equipment and studio furniture. It's much more like a house. Right. That's what I, that was going to be my next question. Like, are you acquiring like certain gear, like certain guitars, certain like amps for certain sounds, certain drums? Yeah, I mean, I've got, I've, I've just over the years collected a lot of guitars, a lot of microphones, a lot of studio equipment, um, and yeah, at this point, like you could fly in, and I would have everything that you would need. You probably wouldn't need to bring anything but like your personal guitar and like any weird pedals you like. But I have amps, I have drums, I have multiple drum kits that you could choose from, like. It's pretty, it's, my wife thinks that I have way too much crap, which is why I want to build, like, uh, you know, somewhere exterior so she doesn't have to look at it. But I, I like to look at it, even if I don't use it for a while. Like, right. I, I like the way instruments and equipment look. Dude, you got to keep them nice, you know? You got to keep them in the wear and tear, like, earn, like, scars, you know? You got to make sure <laughs> yeah. they're pretty ones, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of equipment that gets retired, like past fire equipment that is road equipment for a while. Right. And then we get we get a new one because like the LED light doesn't work on that one or whatever, and that becomes the studio version of that that gear. And you know, whenever there's somebody in the studio, they're like, "Oh man, I really could use like a crazy like reverb or something." Like, well, here's this crazy reverb pedal that we used to bring on the road, and now we don't. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are pretty amazing. I think. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. I think one time while you guys were on a tour, didn't your tour bus get robbed and all your equipment? And then you guys did a GoFundMe, and within two days, you had all the yeah. money to get the shit back. Yeah, super sore subject. Uh, oh wow! The uh, 2012 was uh, I got robbed five times, and wow. one of those times was the Holy van shit. getting broken into. Yep. Um, <sighs> 2012 i got my my backpack stolen out of the backstage in a green room in philly oh god a venue in philly um the my rental car was broken into when i was on vacation out in san francisco and they stole my video camera and a camera um my lawnmower was stolen out of my garage one time and then another separate time my bike was stolen out of my garage that year and then um yeah, somebody uh, broke into. We drove all the way across the country within like three days to get back for Nick's wedding, and I was so tired when I got back that I didn't move the cars out of my driveway. I just pulled the van trailer right up in front of the house on the street, mm. and the next day I woke up and the the trailer door was wide open. Oh, no. I looked out the window. I was like, "Oh man, somebody left the damn trailer door open." 
So I went out there, and as soon as I turned the corner and saw inside the trailer, I was like, no, this wasn't somebody leaving it open, and this, this is us getting robbed. Oh, there were like there was like $10,000 worth of gear missing oh, from the trailer. So that's when we did the GoFundMe because we literally could not play another show unless we had like all new guitars and keyboards and stuff. Oh my God. And you guys got it back pretty fast though from the GoFundMe, which was, that's what the the impressive part, impressive part. Not that I'm sorry about all the other stuff, but I was talking about the impressive part of how quickly you got the money back because you got such great fans that you have. Yeah. Yeah. Our fan base rocks, man. Every time. And we try not to do that. As, like we we really try not to do GoFundMe and yeah you guys uh, don't do that like, I see a lot of bands do that I'm always like okay this is a special occasion yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. an emergency like we've only done it then and then our our van broke down in that same year actually our van broke down oh boy and we had to do a GoFundMe to like buy a new van this is all 2012 uh, yeah oh that's <laughs> the worst year ever for you. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Like someone had a hex on you. <laughs> yeah, I broke the curse somehow because like 2013 started and I was like, okay, <laughs> wait for it. Yeah. And like nothing happened. So you're like, 2012 Whew. was just a cursed year. Oh my God. Then 2020 came. Oh God. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. cursed. And then you're well, like, we, we, we're robbed. That's not that bad. <laughs> 2018, we did like one show a month and it was mostly like fly outs mm. because we, we were burnt out. We've been touring for 10 years, like straight, pretty much. I think I saw so, you guys in Darien that, that year at the beach in Connecticut. Possibly. Yeah. Possibly. Um, 2000, yeah, 2018, yeah, we, we were just doing flyouts. It was right. like one flyout a month. And, you know, had we just sort of held on and kept going for another two years, we would have gotten the the year off that we wanted, but uh, ended up now having, like, basically two years off in the last four. And uh, it's affected us. It's yeah. definitely affected, you know, taking a year off, we knew that we were going to have to sort of, you know, go back and and start over in certain markets and stuff and uh it was it was a real thing we took 2018 off for our sanity right and when we came back to it in 2019 there were definitely less people at some of the shows where we used to do a lot better so um it's a real thing you have to stay on it you Mm -hmm. have to stay putting out music you have to stay touring right um it's there, there's no like taking two or three years off, which I've seen bands do, like just disappear for two or three years, and then they come back and they put out a record, and you're like, well, why do you expect anybody to like be about this? You basically disappeared. Right. So right. like, you just have to keep putting content out. You have to keep playing shows. You have to keep hitting the same cities over and over again. If you if you if there's a lull in hitting a certain city, then you basically just go back to square one and, like, start back with playing rooms to, like, 40, 50 people and building it back up. Right. right. But, but you have the Pacifier Army, though, so that that is always good. And your fans are loyal and dedicated and mm-hmm. fight like no other fans I've seen <laughs> on Facebook. Yeah. You know, they f- love you guys. I always see, like, it always comes up in my feed, like, uh, someone will be like, name your favorite band and see if they comment on your post. And someone will put, pa- and yeah. it always comes up in my notifications like, 
pacifier and then you guys always kind of like yeah thanks brother you know <laughs> i'm like all right yeah i've is- noticed that we're like one of the only bands that actually does reply yeah. to people on that. <laughs> it, well it's good because it comes up in my feet all the time from yeah. different ones and it's from all different markets too because that's the other good thing about that when you yeah. look at the areas yeah. of the radio it'll be like tampa bay Colorado, yeah. Montana. So people are putting your name in all those places and it's showing up in my feed. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah. Not that my feed is like yeah. legendary. It's just, you know, <laughs> I see it all the time. Yeah. In I my mean, eyes, I, you know. The way it works, though, is like, you know, if you listen to Pacifier and your Spotify account, it happens to be attached to your Facebook account. Then all that information gets logged, and then you're gonna see more pacifier stuff in your in your particular newsfeed than other people who, you know, they may listen to us once a month, or they may like look us up once every couple months on Facebook. Those people, they're not gonna see as much of of the stuff that we put out on Facebook because. You know, it's algorithms. It's yeah. all like it's based on how, on your engagement and like people who who actually check and see, you know, if we posted tour dates or if we have information about a new album, those people end up getting the news from us in their news feeds. They they, they definitely Facebook changed it. Yeah. It used to go to everybody. Now you know, it only goes to twenty percent of your following and and then you have to pay for the rest. Like if you want it to go to thirty or forty percent of your following, you have to pay for that. Yeah. And Oh, they throw you a bone, though, Ted, once in a while. They throw you one. They'll, they'll be like, you put some dumb shit up. Not you. I'm saying, like, anyone. You put some dumb shit, and all of a sudden you get, like, 100 reactions on it. And you're like, oh, shit, I'm funny. And then you put some real funny shit up, and, like, three people like it. And you're like, what the fuck? What is wrong with people? Yeah. You know? It's the fucking well, algorithm. There, there are there are different kind of posts that you can do, like, like live, Facebook mm. Live. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's no cap to the amount of followers it'll go to all your followers oh so shit. if you did every post as a live post you would get so much more traction but how often do you really want to go live yeah right like, it's it's not something you want to do all the time but we've noticed that every time we go live the engagement is way bigger and it's because when you go live literally every one of your followers sees the thing pacifier is live right now so it's it's a different way. If you post just on your, your feed, it's only going to go to like 20% of the people that follow you. Right. Right. And then, you know, well, of course you guys also have that added feature that you have past fire army club there. And then that goes in there. And if you're a member of there, you get the notifications to go to all those people. So you might hit the right. traction after. So you guys, yeah. you guys are smart. Whoever, well, that was Joe Kirk that created that, right? It was Joe Kirk and John Dawson. Gotcha. And uh, and now Holly and uh, Larie and Christy and like there's there's a handful of people that sort of pass it the um, administrator job right along throughout you know within the Pacifier Army group. And, and I we never said call yourself the Pacifier Army. In fact, we were at first we were like we're peaceful people we're not about war. Uh, so like the last thing we want is our fan group to be called an army but you know they they explain it to us that they are soldiers for the music and they're going to be fighting to make people hear us and make people come to our shows and 
And in that sense, I get it. It's cool. I, I'm I'm okay with it. But at first, I was like, really, army? Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's funny. We uh, speaking of Larie, I haven't seen her since she moved to Colorado. Uh, I think the She's last doing great out there. Oh, that's good. Because I used to always see her in the Connecticut and the New York shows when you guys played. Oh yeah, she was she was a freaking. She's on uh, seventy two Pacifier shows, I think. Holy shit! That's, she's an MVP. She is an MVP. <laughs> I mean, I hold it down for the New England area, but I, not compared to her or Joe or anything like. No, she's seen us in multiple countries, multiple states. Yeah. <laughs> nobody can beat Lurie's records. Yeah, no, no one can. No wow. one can. Now, when are you uh, coming up Northeast Way again? I think the last time you did like a solo thing, I think at City Winery. Not me. Or did when did you do a solo show in New York? Um, I did. Did I do? Oh, I played. I opened for Eric Rachmani like yes. three years ago in New York City. Yeah. Um, which I I've talked to him recently about that. He said not this year, but possibly next year. He's going to do the acoustic tour again, and um, you know, hopefully he'll consider me to do that again, but. Um, no, I did like a little solo run opening for Chopadelic in the Mid-Atlantic earlier this year. Mm. Um, Pacifier back in the Northeast, I want to say probably uh, spring or summer. Awesome. I can't, I can't give you a definite answer on that, but I know that next year, early next year is going to be focused on finishing out like Midwest Texas and the West Coast. Got you. So... We're going to go back to the West Coast early next year, or at least the West in general. And then spring and summer, we're going to focus on coming back and doing some of the East Coast markets that we didn't hit this fall. Oh, nice. nice. You'll have to come back to uh, the Acoustic, which is now Park City Lounge, which ha- which hasn't opened yet, but they re- redid the whole thing. And there's going to be food okay. there and everything. So that Food. Would, yeah. Right. Yes. Because I know you guys were like the legends of of the acoustic when they remodeled it when it was the acoustic cafe and turned to the acoustic. Yep. You guys sold yeah, out a Monday that. night. Nobody sells out a Monday oh fucking night. <laughs> and then shut down I, the live sure? stream. Huh? I don't think we sold it out. Yeah, you did. I think it was. Did we? Yeah, you sold it out. It was the first Monday they ever oh. sold out there. A Monday yeah. fucking okay. night. You would think I would remember that because, like, we honestly don't have a lot of sellouts in our career. So I, I you would think I remember that. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe I'll take your word for it. Oh, I know it was sold out. I remember because I emceed it, and they were all telling me like, "Oh shit!" Because I was the one pushing them. Like, "Yo, it'll fucking." And there was people from Vermont there, <laughs> like that traveled all the way there to see you guys. Wow. Nice. So uh, it all it all blends together. Oh yeah, it definitely does. <laughs> That's funny. Well, I want to thank you, man, so much for for doing this interview and uh, catching up with you. And I can't wait to uh, see you in person and stuff and catch up Likewise. when you come to uh, the Northeast. Yeah, and uh, you'll get to meet Laura as well. I I know you've met Laura before because she used to be a co-host on Modern Problems Radio Show. Yeah, probably back in the day. Oh, back okay. in the day. Well, yeah. then. Then yeah, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we'll have to smoke up some uh, nice uh, indica or sativa. It depends on your mood. You'll have to let me know. We'll we'll have you we'll have you situated. I'm cool with a good hybrid, a good like even keel, middle of the road hybrid. All right. There yeah. That's that's usually what I go for. But lately, it's been indica. So. <laughs> okay. Uh, I mean, catch me after the show with an indica, and I'm blazing with you. (laughs) (laughs) Before the show, and I'm forgetting lyrics, and I want to finish the show before it's over. Oh, no. (laughs) That's more edible time. That's what happens with edibles with me. That's when I know. That's when I'm into couch. Oh, yeah. I don't even mess with edibles. My my wife does before bed. I'll eat before bed because it immediately knocks me out, but, like, if I eat an edible during the day, I'm not good to anybody. Yeah, me neither. Well, it's a good Netflix and chill day. Like, you know, the snow day yeah. is an edible, you know. It's definitely good. Yeah. Netflix has been giving me problems, man. I've been trying to watch the Squid Game. Oh, shit. I have not it, seen that. Oh, man. I watched the first episode, and I was like, this is it's Hunger Games and the Truman Show and several other concepts all mixed into one. What? But uh, it's it's pretty crazy. I watched the first episode, and now every time I try to turn on the second episode, I just get that circle, the red circle in the screen for, like, ever. But I have a horrible service, as you know, so it's probably just that. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> you got to get some internet service to take care of up there, Ted. <laughs> yeah, I, I applied for Starlink, but it's not in my area yet. Ah, gotcha. gotcha. Elon Musk internet. <laughs> this is SpaceX. They they launched like 360 satellites into the atmosphere, and they have like dedicated satellites for satellite internet for rural people who live in rural areas. Mm. Um, but it hasn't come to my area yet. I put down my deposit, and I've just been waiting for the equipment, but no status update whatsoever. So you're getting the red circle on that too. (laughs) Constant buffering. Everything. (laughs) Yeah. Which is nice sometimes. It's nice to like not have connection to certain things, but most of the time I'm like, damn it, I need to upload something. Damn it, I need to download something. Right. Well, now one more question before you go because Laura and I were really stoned and we were talking about like Marvel or DC. So we wanted to know which, which one you are. Are you a Marvel or a DC person? Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Oh, oh right down the middle. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a comic book guy. Okay, well, I was thinking that you don't watch those any of the movies then. I, no, my oh. wife does, and I I end up watching it with her sometimes. And I'm like, man, these special effects are crazy, but like, I don't get into the storylines, and I don't understand who the characters are. Got I don't it. know. Just never been. I've never really been into like comics and and superhero movies. Okay. Right. So we got that one then. Okay. <laughs> I, love the, I love the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Aww. There you go. There you go. With Vanilla Ice. Love that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Everything from that era before the cartoon. Go Ninja. Go the, Ninja. The, the go. Movies. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. But then every all the cartoons and the movies after that, the Vanilla Ice one, yeah. are just not the same. They're mm-hmm. like. They're they're totally different, and I can't watch it. You know there'll probably be one with Megan Fox coming up soon. Machine Gun Kelly and Megan Fox oh, and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's coming next. <laughs> yeah. Is she April, and he's like, what, the, the hockey guy? Yeah, probably. <laughs> Casey Jones. Yeah. 
<laughs> Not the Grateful Dead train driving Casey Jones either. <laughs> no, no. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles roommate that plays hockey. Yeah, no, no. I know who you're talking about. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I really, I don't get down with the... Uh, not that I don't get down with it. I just have never, it's never really interested me that much, the uh, the whole superheroes things. But you ask anybody else in our band and there is an opinion, I'm sure. Right. <laughs> yeah, there usually is like yeah. a, a with people. That's why I was going to check. So you were yes. the first person th- that threw the oddball yeah. in there. So I'll give you respect for that one. Yes. yes. Much respect. Nick, <laughs> Nick and DB would go into much detail with you about all this. Right. I bet. I bet they definitely would. How is Dan doing? He's good. He was just out with us for this last run. He's going to be out with us in two weeks. Is he still making the uh, Star Wars drum heads? Yeah. I think he took a little break from the drum heads for a little while. For like the first half of the pandemic, uh, he... and I mean, I know it's still going on, but for the first half of the year and a half that we were off, uh, he and... Brianna and my wife were, were doing raffles where like he would do a drum head and then she would put together the raffle and raffle it off and then raise money and they would split the money amongst the two of them, Kyle and Zach, our crew, our crew right before everything shut down. Mm. So, you know, keeping everybody, keeping a little money in the pockets of the dudes that would have been working for us all year long, um, you know, DB and, and Brianna, arranged that and I thought it was really cool and um, you know now now that touring is coming back uh, I'm sure he'll be making some drum heads for uh, you know the merch table and stuff like that but um, I thought it was really cool that that they use they put their heads together and use their own abilities to uh, to raise some money for the rest for them and for the rest of the crew because crew people got screwed yeah they definitely did Crew oh, yeah. people got so screwed because, like, Music Cares, they did actually end up giving money to Crew later on, but their first round, you had to prove, like, which albums you were on. And as soon as you get to that question, it's like, well, if you're a merch person, you're not on any album. Right. But you yeah. still go on the road and you still are out of job, so what the hell? Uh, yeah, that's horrible. That is horrible. I actually have the yeah. one of Dan's uh, drum heads. I have the hand solo one nice. with the pacifier in the background. Oh, nice! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I like that one. I remember he works on those like in the lobby of the hotel till like six in the morning. Sometimes, like I'll go down, I'll just like you know go down to get to fill up my water bottle at like three in the morning. And he'll be like sitting there at the. He uses the the big computer screens mm. in the office. And he'll like you know he'll trace off of the computer screen and then he'll like do all the coloring and separately, but like I'll find him at like three in the morning working on drum heads in the lobby of the hotel. I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> I gotta get this on in the merch table tomorrow, man. You all gotta right? get some of those drum heads in in your studio. You know that's you're gonna have to have some Star Wars stuff in there because it's kind of uh, grown true. to the band now. I do more so more recently. I do like Star Wars a lot. Um, I didn't like grow up as a Star Wars kid, but like more recently, mostly because of DB and and Brianna, she's a big Star Wars head. Yeah, um, I've gotten into it with the Mandalorian and stuff. I've had to learn like what characters are what and why they are significant. So, 
I've gone back and watched the movies several times, and I, I definitely can get into Star Wars. Oh, nice. See, now, listening to this, this is like a reverse situation for my relationship, like with Paige. I finally got her to watch, like, uh, Star Wars. It was The Mandalorian first, and then she was like, oh, my God, I never realized this was this good. And then I, we watched all the Star Wars, and then she was like, holy cow, yeah. this is amazing. Oh. It was genius. The Baby Yoda thing that brought so many women who either, like, you know, before were just like, Star Wars is dumb. Yeah. Like, <laughs> all of a sudden, there's a Baby Yoda, and they're like, ah, oh, Baby Yoda! <laughs> so, it's, uh, it was genius. It, it brought a demographic that had not really been tapped into, that has sort of been the opposite of the demographic that they were marketing towards. And they just threw, like, a little Baby Yoda in there, and then all of a sudden, Everyone loves Mandalorian. Everyone's all about Star Wars. I thought it was a genius marketing idea. It was genius, genius. But they did try early on with Star Wars. They figured Chewbacca and women were like, nah, we don't want to mess with the walking carpet. It looks like <laughs> Tom Selleck's mustache with like a growl, you know, walking around. Yeah. You know, they're like, no. no. And they it need, doesn't have the uh, Lamborghini either. You they know? need the cute, cute I mean, guy. you know, Princess Leia being a badass, like that was definitely a... a I think for, for girls and women when it came out, that was definitely something to look at and be like, oh, this is a really cool movie. It shows this woman is like, you know, super, super capable and super like badass when it comes to like action scenes and stuff. She, she's really part of this Jedi crew. And, uh, you know, but, but what really, I think what really roped the demographic further in was when they threw out the, like this, this manly like guy in a suit of armor carrying this little cute little baby. Yoda. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Exactly. He has a heart. Yeah, <laughs> he kills people, but he's cool. Look at his yeah. baby. He wants to save the baby. the little baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> they definitely roped yeah. it. Oh my god. <laughs> no, baby Yoda roped me in, man. I was like, whoa, there's a baby Yoda. Okay. You're right. like, oh. Is that Yoda's child, or is this Yoda when he was small? That was the thing to me. I didn't know forever for the first couple episodes. Like, is that Yoda? That's what I and thought too. I didn't know before Yoda, or like, is is Yoda growing backwards like Benjamin Button? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had no clue, and I was like, is this Boba Fett? Like, is this before he became Boba Fett? You know, a bad guy? You know, yeah. like, I couldn't figure it out yeah, either. It took that's me the next bit. series. Yeah. I can't wait. That's that's going to be good. And then they have um, uh, Obi-Wan. They're doing one on him with yep. Ewan McGregor. Yep. And uh, uh, Ahsoka with uh, Rosario Dawson is coming out. Oh, I love her. Yep. All on Disney+. Yeah, Plus. She, she rocks Disney it Plus. as Ahsoka. Yeah, Ahsoka. she definitely does. I need to get into this world. She definitely does. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ted, man, I want to thank you so much uh, for doing the interview and catching up with you. Um, and uh, I look forward to seeing you in uh, New York or Connecticut. We definitely look forward to seeing you. All right, brother. Well, it was good talking to you and I uh, look forward to catching up with you soon. And uh, this will air on Wednesday. I'll send you all the okay. links. Yeah, let me get a link so I can post about it. You got it, brother. Awesome. All right, y'all. All right, man. Have right, a good Ted. one. Have a good night. Take care. Thanks for calling. All Bye. right, brother. Peace. Peace. That was awesome. Very cool. That was a fucking awesome interview. What an interesting, interesting interview. Like, it was. Yeah. Like, 
Wow. <laughs> yeah, it was. I wasn't expecting a lot of all the stuff that oh, we got. Oh yeah. So. Gwen Stefani, yeah. put that energy out there. Yeah. Ow. <laughs> we got past fire playing in the background. Yep. Leave the lights on. I had them play this acoustic. I got a video of it. Oh, at nice. The acoustic. Oh, really? Yeah. Pretty badass. Uh, next week we got Nikki Delano. Oh yeah. We're gonna be high as hell celebrating <laughs> my fiftieth birthday. Fiftieth birthday. Tune in next week. Modern problems show. Oh yeah.